0: this what a
1: track.
2: Welcome to the Unformed Handball Hour where we have a jam-packed schedule today. But first joining me is Chris O'Reilly. Hello Alex. And Brian Campion. Hello Alex. Hello Chris. Also joining us today will be Bjorn Patsen and Sasha Statt, who will be talking about the Bundesliga, which we've promised to talk about for a long time, but a quarter way into the season, we are finally at, in a position to give the insight in what's going on in that league. And if you look at the league table, no one is where they should be. So it's a really
3: exciting. Hey, talk. hey, hey, hey! hey. Magdeburger on top. That's where they should be. <laughs> <gasps> your there your go, year finally go. came Chris all those years and years of talking about Magdeburg being the dark horse yeah. and now they're finally there so well i can yeah. see you're you're glowing yeah, you're glowing
4: yeah. well we'll see if it all comes back to bite them and by association me and the arse by the end of the season but we we'll, we'll hear more about that uh, from the lads
2: yeah, Chris has been holding back this Bundesliga chat until Magdeburg go um, <laughs> yeah. nine, nine wins and zero losses. Then he's like, okay, now, now let's talk. Now let's talk. <laughs> uh, we'll also be speaking about Kalschat a little bit more because we saw the official announcement, um, with the big news that Sagasin, Magnus Rudd, Magnus Gullerud all joining in before 2023 as well as the players that were previously announced, like Johnson and Smarrison. So, and Bur- Bergerud. And Bergerud, uh, of course, uh, who will be leaving Geoghe and finally found himself uh, a club to go to. <laughs> we'll be speaking with Bjorn and Sasha a little bit about that and how the Bundesliga reacted to some of their stars leaving. We'll also be speaking with Lisa Lada Henriksen, who is a Norwegian a uh, reporter who was actually at the famous press conference where Colstad revealed their big plan, so we'll get a bit of insight with her before we go into our interviews. I just want to just take a moment, take a moment, and look at the games we've seen in the Champions League this season and the crowds we've seen in the Champions League this season. The game between Porto and Barcelona, the latest one the draw was incredible incredible atmosphere we've seen kielsa and the atmosphere that uh, the arena there has brought to us being sold out every week so my question to you is is this what the hf imagined the champions league to be from the very start and is it fulfilling
3: the the dreams of the european handball fans i think you talk to certain people and they always say there's always going to be too few, many useless games uh that you're always going to have that. But I think it's really great. Uh, I'm having a great time and I'm really enjoying it. It's one of the most enthralling and open seasons we've seen at this level for, for quite a long time. Uh, so, and I've been at a few games this season as well and to, to see the arenas full of fans again, it just really gives it a whole new boost and a whole new level. And by the way, Alex, I loved your introduction to that question. It sounded like it's a small episode from the CAM meditation app. Just take a minute. And just appreciate.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was really enjoying that. I was like, God, oh, this, you should maybe write to Cam and get this uh, handball section going on the rack. <laughs> just, just reading out results from uh,
4: the African Championship over the last 20 years. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's the really
4: League. league.
2: That that's also the oh. saw that video of the <laughs> yes. Somalian league, oh my which had a packed stadium of thousands of fans watching some fairly mediocre handball. But uh, <laughs> that's someone needs to put money into the Somalian handball league. Yeah,
4: there you go. I mean, people are just loving going to sport again and going to events. I, I'm really jealous that Brian has gotten to some games already because although I've commentated every week of the. Men's Champions League this season. I haven't been on site yet, but that hopefully will change for the next couple of match weeks, which is going to be in Elverum first against Montpellier, and then Alborg against Pixegat. So uh, hopefully, I'll get to go to those two. They're pretty close see, to me.
3: Yeah, see, Chris, you've you the wrong strategy the whole season long. You should have been like during the commentary like oh i can't actually see what's going on there if it's in the arena i'd be able to see now but if, to be honest i can't see from the feed what's actually I, going on there i have said that fomps. a couple of times <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that is
4: the problem though when they're showing replays of something and then a team is fast break down the other end and uh, scored a goal it's like oh the crowd is reacting to something oh it's a goal
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> i'm sure it was a great goal well done and on obscure leagues just one thing that's popped up into my head and Vardar which is usually such a great uh, home crowd they lost the game against Eurofarm Pellister's second team in the uh, Macedonian League we were giving them huge props at the start of the season but it all seems to be going wrong for them now and Veselin Vujovic is doing his classic almost Jose Mourinho style like a bright start uh, inspiring the players then he starts to blame the players then he leaves the club
2: didn't I didn't I say in the air preview that it it might explode (laughs) you did and let's let's see how it goes i have faith in this our team.
4: right so let's go into our first interview we've spoken to them separately in the past bjorn patson and sasha stadt time to bring them in together so together on the uninformed humble hour for the first time it's sasha stadt joining us from his home. And Bjorn Patsen, who's not joining us from his home, he's joining us from a car park in Luxembourg. How are you, gentlemen?
1: Very fine, very fine. Just around the corner.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Seems so. Yeah, I'm fine too, thanks. Uh, Thanks a lot for joining us for this uh, chat, even though, Bjorn, you're you're going to the Germany-Portugal game in uh, just under two hours. But we're going to talk about Bundesliga. And I think we should start with... Last Friday's news, which funnily enough on the websites of Kiel, Flensburg, and Magdeburg all kind of simultaneously dropped that their Norwegian stars Sandra Sagerson, Magnus Rudd, and Magnus Gularud would be leaving. Now, Kolstad has been the big topic for the last couple of weeks, and we want to get your perspective on this from the German handball community side. Uh, What have you been hearing uh, over the last couple of weeks and what are your personal thoughts on the moves? We'll start with Sasha.
0: Well, to be honest, there were rumors for quite some time that those guys were about to leave. And I think it's interesting that all the three clubs announced the players leaving at the same time. That's quite unusual. Also, it's not very common that clubs announce that players are departing. Usually, it's the new club who first announces that that somebody has been signed. So I think that's kind of new, although the situation is a little bit different compared to other situations, because it's an up-and-coming club, it's a new project. For some reason, there suddenly is a lot of money involved. So, yeah, that's what I thought at first. It's kind of strange all three clubs announce at the same time. Actually, I think at the same hour, that their players are leaving and I think there was no coincidence regarding that matter. So yeah, it's it's kind of strange. And I think in the end, it's just three players for for now leaving the Bundesliga. Okay, Smarason is leaving as well from Goppingen, but it's not like the Bundesliga is falling apart. So I'm not really worried to be honest.
1: Yeah, the funny thing is if I if I just jump in, there were a lot of discussions among the fans, as Sasha said, there had been rumors that especially Zander Zagos and will go back to his home country and others might follow. It was the same, what uh, what Flensburg already announced some weeks before that it's hard to keep Röth in the squad. And uh, the interesting fact is, so how early in the end all these transfers will be announced? But this was usually done by Kiel in the opposite way. So when they signed Niklas Landin or Andreas Wolf, it was one and a half, two years before. Before the contract started, and now they they turn it around. That uh, okay, Ruud is leaving, uh, and Zander Zagos is leaving for twenty three and the others are coming in 22. So in the end, the, the fans are discussing now if uh, this uh, is a shock for Bundesliga. But I absolutely agree with Sascha. It's not uh, the big shock for Bundesliga because I would say uh, it's an interesting project that they have in Kolstad and it's another interesting project they have in Alborg. Don't forget that some players from Bundesliga also left to Alborg before this season. And of course, next season, Mikkel Hansel will come and Aaron Palmason already arrived. So you have two Scandinavian projects uh, trying to get the stars from their country in one team and uh, to to fight with uh, with the normal suspects for going to Cologne in the Champions League final four. So the the map of European handball will will change a little bit from uh, from center or southeast to north.
2: Maybe specifically about Sageson because. I I suppose he is one of the biggest stars in handball. He came to the Bundesliga to be kind of let's say the face of the league. Is there some sort of feeling from, you know, the the fans of the league that he hasn't fulfilled his obligation to the league or that he's leaving too early?
1: So I w- I would say in the end, uh, he said, I want to go to Bundesliga when I'm young. I will not go to Bundesliga when I'm old. So now this new project started and his, even his father is involved in Colstadt. So it, I don't think it's about obligation. But uh, the interesting fact is when you saw isn't at the Euro 2020 Uh, in in Norway, uh, Austria and Sweden, how fresh he was there when he was playing for PSG. Okay, he was one and a half years younger. But then when you saw him uh, playing for example at Olympic Games after a long and tough Bundesliga season and only with five or six days of rest before the start of the Olympic preparation. So he felt now in one season how tough it is to be a play Bundesliga. And of course it was the post-COVID season with 38 rounds in Bundesliga. But the funny thing is, he fulfilled his dream already after only three or four months. His dream was, I want to win the Champions League once in my life. And he made it with Kiel already in December 2020. So in the end, he made his goal. He played in Bundesliga. He won the Champions League. So. He, for him personally, he fulfilled the obligation. He made his dream come true, winning winning this tournament. And uh, if there's a, another chance for him playing at home, at the home fence in his hometown, with less burden and less stress as he has in German League. So it's my thing, it's it's normal. And of course, it's a big, big money involved in Norway now.
0: I can understand his decision. I mean, his father is involved. They will pay him well. He's from the city. I can understand all that. But as Bjorn said, yeah, he fulfilled his dream of winning the Champions League after two Champions League games for Kiel. So does it really feel like he made the difference? I don't think so, because he didn't make the difference in those two games. Henrik Pekela won the MVP in December and he made the difference. Landin made the difference. It wasn't Sander Sargossen. And I'm quite sure he doesn't feel like he made the difference because an athlete really knows if he made the difference or not. So that's one point. And when it comes to what the fans think about him, will they miss him? Yeah, because he's a very good player, but is he a Bundesliga legend or is he a handball legend? No, he's no Duvniak who played in Kiel. He's no Lufgren who played in Kiel. And he's also no Magnus Wieslander who played in Kiel. Of course, he signed this contract in Kiel and made those statements way before the project in Colstadt was even started, I guess so. I don't think he he knew already three years or two years ago that Kolstad would be on the map. But for me, I don't think he really fulfilled his dream of winning the Champions League the way he wanted to. And I think he still has the energy and, of course, the technical abilities to make this dream come true in Kolstad. But I also think it will be extremely difficult. And don't underestimate Alvarum. This is a very good club. And it will be a long way for Kolstad to even make the Champions League because the Norwegian League is outside of the top eight or top nine in the EHF rankings. So usually the Norwegian League won't get a second wild card. So it will be very tough for this club to play in the Champions League within the next two years.
1: This is what then, I fully disagree. Because you will, with a player like Zagos, and you will receive the, the wild card. On a, a kind of golden tray, if he if he's playing there, so I, I'm sure I'm sure when in 23 Zagosin will arrive, then uh, even the wild card is announced quite early, even if they are Norwegian champions or not. So and uh, of course uh, I also disagree with this Champions League matter. So he won the Champions League, he got this golden medal, he can say I'm among this little number of handball players who won the Champions League, and. Of course, Piccola was the MVP, but uh, don't forget that he played a real good tournament. Of course, in Kiel, he has not the status like those players mentioned by Sasha or Thierry O'Mayer or whoever. But uh, in the end, he was part of the team who won the, which won the Champions League. So, and uh, this was his dream. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that uh, that Colstadt can uh, play a quite good role. But uh, they will also learn that the way to Cologne is a very, very steep one.
0: So, excuse me.
1: <laughs> this is, yeah,
0: it's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting because uh, Bjorn just said that uh, he's part of the team who won the Champions League now last season or le- the season before with Kiel. But I think he will not be remembered as a player who won the Champions League for Kiel. Landin will be, rem- re- will be remembered. Vinchek will be remembered. Pekela will be remembered. Not Sander Sargussen. And this is why I think... His, re- his dream is, has not been fulfilled the way he wants to win the Champions League. He wants to be the true leader of a team who wants to win the Champions League. And I think this was a huge part in making this decision now, going to Cold start, And of course, I agree with Björn, less burden on his shoulders when it comes to the stress factor. Uh, he's at home with his family and his friends his, his fiancee will join him, obviously. There's rumors Rune Damke will join the team as well. So, yeah, I mean, you're yeah. laughing, but I think it, 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 it factors into the decision he made. So,
2: wherever Sander goes, I think Rune Damke is in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and let's not, let's not forget that Sagason still has two more seasons left in the Bundesliga and the Champions League. It will Kiel. be one. Well, this season and then one more. You know, I'm not
4: so sure, sure about that. Oh, <laughs> well, I just want to want to flag something on that. I mean, the the fact that he has made this decision after just one full season, basically with the club. And um, I think you made a, a, a comment on Twitter, Sasha, saying you don't like this development of uh, of super early. Uh, decisions uh, and we're seeing a lot of it with uh, Kielce at the moment we see it in handball all the time but for an, a name like Sagerson to to do it is quite interesting uh, given the circumstances of his his experience with the the team and you know, let's say the burden on his shoulders as well as this unique situation that has just popped up in Kolstad do you understand do you, do you think people in Germany will understand or is there like going to be this bit of resentment from the German handball community?
0: No I think it's all right he made this decision as I said before it's it's a very difficult one for him and when he joined Kiel and signed that contract well even before he he signed for Kiel he was sure he would play in the Bundesliga for five six seven years because he wasn't able to expect the project of Kohlstark coming up I can understand that. And I think that people in Germany and the handball fans in Germany will understand that as well. And you can see in every single game that he's giving hundred percent. So I don't doubt that, but I dislike the development in general because I like players committing to a club. I like if a player is playing for a club for five to 10 years, I know in today's world of sports, that's very tough. It's almost impossible, but Dufniak is playing for Kiel for a long time right now. He will have played for Kiel for 10 seasons once his contract is up. And there's other players. I really admire those kind of players, no matter if I like their style or if I like them as a person whatsoever. But I really admire that they stick to a club and they commit to a club and the project for a long time.
1: So what I said, the community in Germany will say, okay, this is another example that the Bundesliga is too tough for some players. Or uh, it's a matter of money that he goes. but what we, what I read was only the sentence of the key manager Victor Shilagi who said we gave him a real good offer also from the financial point of view. So I don't think that uh, it was in the end only the money. When, when you remember his current coach Philip Yisha going to Barcelona, he said, if I go to Barcelona, I can play two or more two three more seasons. Maybe this is the thing for and also, that he says, okay, after recognizing that in Bundesliga is different, for example, to West Bremen or Kielce, when you have in your league only through two, three, four matches, when you have to play with full power. So in Bundesliga, it's a different way when you see that Kiel can lose in Nettelstedt, so you have to give the 100%. So uh, and this is not like I focus on the Champions League and the National League is not so so interesting so I I would even say in Kiel For the fans, of course, Champions League is important. But for Kiel, it's always more important to win the Bundesliga. This is what international fans do not understand. For example, a number of spectators when it comes to international matches. I go to Heinecker-Löwen. When they play at Melsungen, they have eight against Melsungen. They had 8,000. And they play against Barcelona, they have 2,000. So general interest in Germany, I would say, in Bundesliga is higher than in Champions League. Maybe not in Kiel and in Flensburg, but in general it is. So the the people I would say will say, okay, it was good to have him here. It was nice to see him in the arenas, and I fully agree with Sasha that Sandersag was always gave one hundred percent. So he's not a player who's now saying, okay, I will I will go on a comfortable cushion and uh, wait for my transfer to to Norway. What I dislike in this whole situation is the. Um, no matter how long a player had been at a club is uh, when those transfers will be announced with two years in advance or something like this. So how shall a player focus on his current club when he knows exactly two years before, okay, I will transfer there. I will go there. So in the end, I don't know if it's just something that uh Coldstart will put some money on the table and tell Zagos and that he shall come uh, after this season, or if it says, okay, um, just to make sure that he comes. I don't know. I, I don't like this. This two years before um, announcement of contracts.
0: Also, you have to have to consider the fact that with every single game he plays for Kiel, his body will be worn down a little bit more. So it should be in the interest of Kaltstadt getting in, getting him as early as possible, and also for Kiel maybe to cash in. Because we are not talking 100,000 euros, we are talking more. And they're interested in Jonathan karls from Lemgo, who's a very good player and I think would be a very good replacement because he can play defense on a much higher level than Danda than Sargassen does. And he's a very complete player and a star in the making. I really believe in his abilities. So why not cash in? And also Steffen Weinhold's contract is up, I think, after next season. They need a new left-hander in the backcourt. So why not use the money you get from Sargassen, who is also on a very high salary. Use that money. And I mean, let's depart in, in a friendly way. No hard feelings and just say, okay, it's the way it, it went and, and just move on. It's all right. I think there's no hard feelings be- between the fans, the club and the player.
3: One of the things which is interesting for me that around the time of the, when they announced it was the differences in, in the tweets from the different clubs And I think one of the things which stood out to me was Kiel said, Sagerson is leaving the strongest league in the world, not he's leaving Kiel. And I thought that was an interesting uh, uh, point. And also, I I was listening to your last podcast, Sasha, and your guest, I can't remember his name now, but he was saying how he was kind of shocked about how these players would be leaving the Bundesliga, almost kind of insulted that. How can they develop as a handball player outside of the Bundesliga? Like it's impossible to develop as a handball player outside of the Bundesliga. I don't know what you thought of that kind of idea. And have you have come across that with other journalists in, inside Germany?
0: Mm, I've never talked about that particular matter with different journalists in Germany, but the colleague Ruven Möller from the Flensburg RV, he said that the training competition, the level and the training and the daily training and Kolstadt won't be as high as in Kiel or Magdeburg or Flensburg. I agree with that because the roster Kolstadt announced at, as it is right now is not deep enough to develop as a player. It is deep enough at Vesprem, it is deep enough at Kielce and other clubs in Europe. There's no doubt about it. Also at Barcelona, because the level in Azobal is not as high as it used to be. But in, in Kolstadt or Elvarum, You don't have this kind of opportunity to have a high level training every day. It's just not possible. And it's no offense, I think, to the club. But if you look at the team right now, they're sitting in eighth or ninth place in the Norwegian League. It will be tough for them to make the playoffs. They announced like six players, very good players, sure. But they don't have 14 World Cup, world class players like other clubs in Europe. Now I know
4: Bjorn you're going to have to run in a moment you have to go to the Germany Portugal game so I just want to ask you about the uh, very briefly then if you can take us in a quick fire journey for your impression of the first quarter of this Bundesliga season maybe tell us uh, which team in particular has uh, stood out to you in a good way and in a not so good way.
1: Okay. When you uh, just say and look on the ranking. So uh, when you see Magdeburg, how they play and how they play in all competitions, I think they, they won the all matches so far. They won all Bundesliga matches. They are uh, IHF super club champions. They started victorious in the European league. So they're at the moment, uh, they're definitely the strongest team in Bundesliga because uh, I would say that um, they didn't have so much changes. So I would say Magdeburg they really can go for the championship title. But in the end, you know, the, the toughest part of the Bundesliga season is always after January when you have the group matches in the European Cup and the Champions League and all, your, all of your players were part of a Euro World Championship. So I would say Bundesliga has always decided between February and April when, uh, when the really the tough burden of international matches, uh, for the clubs and after a major tournament with the national team and Bundesliga is going all the same time. So, uh, in the end, second part of your question, um, I would say I had expected more from Flensburg, but when you see the, the, um, the personal situation of this team, how many, Players are injured, and uh, when you see the the problem they have with left-handed players, it's really okay. They only won one match in the Champions League. They lost some matches in Bundesliga, so it's quite disappointing for them. But uh, you can explain the situation by all these injuries. So, in the end, uh, this is this is one point. And of course, one thing I have to say: uh, how Hamburg is playing in Bundesliga is outstanding. So they they come from the second division. Of course, they are not a typical. Team coming from the second division, but uh, they play so strong and they they look so strong and uh, they have um, they brought back handball on the map in Hamburg, which is very important.
4: Brilliant, uh, Bjorn. We'll let you go then. Uh, good luck for the rest of your journey and enjoy the game.
1: Thanks a lot. And first, one thing I wanted to say. Uh, if it's part of your discussion later, I always say if some international stars leave Bundesliga, it gives and offers the space for young German players, young talented players to step in if the club lets them. This was my final word. Bye.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Björn. Take care. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Björn. Hamburg is a very nice team to watch. Uh, I was able to commentate their cup game against Füchse Berlin. They lost by one in the final seconds. They played a very good game and I was surprised to see or interested to see uh, how they would translate from the second division to the first when it comes to physical abilities, because that's the the biggest question for every team. They obviously signed some veteran guys, which I think was a very smart move. Guys with experience, but also with quality, apart from Johannes Bitter, who was the big name, but they signed Kaspar Mortensen, they signed a guy, uh, Azad Valuri, most guys don't even know who this guy is, but he's a rock on defense and he has a very good shot, which makes it easier for smaller players on the roster because uh, he keeps the defense honest and they have to step up a little bit. And so the, the line players got some more space behind. I think they made some smart moves. So I have to agree with Björn. ST Magdeburg, to be honest, for me was to be expected because they just signed Magnus Zogstrup, who's an exceptional player, really, really great player, and Philip Weber and also Kai Smitz, who already played for them in the past. So they they are a group who knows each other. They all know each other for several years now, and they have a very good coach. And now with the arena, back with fans, I think that's a huge advantage for them. And when it comes to my disappointment, um, I don't see Flansburg as a disappointment if you see what kind of players are on the injured list right now? Surgaard is out, Lasse Müller is out, Franz Semper is out, Magnus Röth is out. <laughs> I mean, that's already kind of some kind of backcourt. They yeah. they they don't play right now. It's a very, very good team for the next years to come. My disappointment right now is ooh, that's really tough to say. Um, what what, what Bjorn said was also kind of interesting. He said that the Bundesliga is usually won between February and March. You can't win. The Bundesliga in the fall, but you can lose it. And Kiel losing to Nettelstedt—it's unacceptable for them if you want to win the championship. I mean, that's two points you just cannot lose. They already lost two games; they draw two other games. Flensburg already six minus points as well. It will be tough for them uh, to to catch up with Magdeburg. With Berlin, I'm not so sure, but with Magdeburg, they're they are really on fire and they have a really good team.
2: So, so what is it about Kiel that's um... A bit slower this season. Usually, they they just get these wins, um, no matter what. But it looks like this season they're they're just dropping more. Um, what what is it about this season? Like, what what what's actually been the cause of these surprise losses?
0: When I recorded my season preview, uh, usually I invite one guy from each club, one journalist covering each club. Uh, my colleague from Hamburg said, Melle Schaak, you know her, um, that that it's interesting that usually Kiel, when there's Olympic games, they don't, they or they hardly sign new players because they want to rely on, on the foundation they have. That's a very smart uh, strategy, if you ask me. So the problem this year is that most of their players played in Tokyo and they came back after a very long season. They also played last December in the Champions League Final Four. They had, I think, two breaks because of COVID during last season. So they're not fresh right now. They're not fresh at all. Pekela, for example, who I think is, an, is a world-class player, he's he's not working on defense, which says a lot because that's his strength. So if you just look at that, okay, Dufniak and Zarabet, they didn't play at the Olympics, but most of the other players, they, they played there and they seem to be very tired after two months of the season. And I also think that other teams, they're more confident playing against Kiel because of the last three or four years, also the last years of Alfred on at the club. They became some kind of club which is beatable. Usually they won all the games against the small clubs, but even the smaller clubs, they now feel they got a chance to beat them. And I think the Nettleshed game was the perfect example.
4: And we mentioned Flensburg there briefly, and just the, the plethora of injuries they have. Uh, we speculated a little bit uh, a few weeks ago about there, about what is actually going on there, because it, it seems almost uh, it, it's beyond a coincidence. And it's not just this season, it's a couple of seasons that it's been happening. I mean, is there some kind of issue here in their training schedule or the type of squad they're building, the way they use their players or with the strength and conditioning that they go through?
0: I don't think that it, it's about the, 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 the coaching staff, because I remember they had a lot of like muscle injuries when Lube Mefranis was still in charge. And then Mike Mahola took over and suddenly there were no muscle injuries anymore. Uh And the players were kind of fit. But I think in the last season, especially towards the end of the season, the problem was it was like, like some kind of vicious circle. There were some injured players, but they were still going for the title in the league. And if there's still the title on the line, you play your best players if you need to win. And for example, Gottfriedson, he was so worn out and after five minutes of every game, he looked tired. But, of course, Mahola had to play him because he wanted to win the game and the championship. Then Gottfried who already played a lot of minutes at the World Championship in Egypt, then played a lot of minutes in the Champions League for Flensburg, played a lot of minutes in the Bundesliga for Flensburg, and also played a lot of minutes in Tokyo. I mean, the guy, is, he's done. Actually, he should, should be on the break for three or four months. Because he's playing all the time, even now when they played in Kielce, I don't know if it was match of the week and and you were commentating it, uh, Chris. But no. some weeks ago they played in Kielce, and Gottfriedsson was still playing in the 50th minute of the game, and they were like losing like by 10. <laughs> I mean, he has to sit on the bench. And, and I'm not the coach, and Mike Mahola obviously knows better. He knows what he's doing. But I think this is the example which shows that sometimes. Okay, it's about the training, it's about the rehab, but it's also about the games because they take away the most energy of players in the end.
3: Do you think that Flensburg kind of run the risk of they're developing this kind of culture or from the outside, what looks like a culture of maybe having eight, nine core players that you absolutely run into the ground? And if you're a player outside of the club and they're looking to sign, you're thinking, I don't want to go to Flensburg, I'm going to absolutely destroy myself playing there. Do you think they run that risk?
0: Yeah, and I think it's kind of strange if you look at their roster, because they got the first seven, which is outstanding, and the second seven is also very good. I mean, just look at the players who would come from the bench. Mats Mensah, who's an established player. Franz Semper, who's an up-and-coming star on the German team. Uh, Lasse Möller would be coming from the bench if he was fit. Uh, that's a very good team. They signed Emil Jakobsen, who's getting almost no minutes, which I don't understand, because he will be their left-wing star next season, because Hampus One is going to Barcelona. So uh, this is a very good team. they got two very good goalkeepers. they got two very good line players, and Anton Linsko, who joined them this summer. So this is a very deep team. So I don't really understand why you could say or consider them an eight- or nine-man team, which you obviously can, uh, looking in from the outside. This is not an eight- or nine-man team. But it looks like that. And that's maybe for a player like Matthias Gitzel, who will go to Berlin instead, was one of the reasons why he didn't sign for them. Because that's a, it was the obvious move for Gitzel mm-hmm. to go to Flensburg, but he didn't.
4: And on top of that, and related to what we spoke about earlier, for those Scandinavian players who usually go through the, the Flensburg route, all of a sudden you have Aalborg and you have kolstadt for example, who can splash the cast. And, you know, Flensburg's go-to well is going to be dried up or they're going to have to share it with a couple of other big teams with
2: potentially more money to spend. I think part of the reason has been the planning around the injuries. I think Flensburg have been a little bit naive in their hope of players returning. So you have, you know, a player going down an ACL injury and then going into this season, they're like, OK, he'll be back. He'll be in top notch, so he won't sign backups and i think that's been the issue and we saw such a huge change when they brought in einerson re- recently so they got a left-hander because they've been playing the last two seasons without a left-hander because both of theirs have been injured the whole time in france emper and Ruud. but they instead of getting a 40-year-old uh you know ex-german star to come in they're like okay let's get 6 months of uh, a promising good player. He's not gonna be he's not gonna light up the world, but he's gonna bring balance. And they brought him in. They that instantaneously brought balance and they're playing a little bit better. But it took them two years to basically make that decision. Even though they knew that there's three players with very long injuries. There's a player like Magnus Rude who you just can't depend on. Um and I think part of the issue has been the squad planning where they've been thinking long-term like on paper they have a fantastic squad but you have to really look at it day by day month by month and see what you can do i think that's been let's say a fault of the flensborg you know directors or whatever the team managers got very danish there with your flensborg (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs>
4: <Len's ball. laughs> looking through the the league there there seems to be a story in almost every team here uh there it's been one of the most wide open leagues Overall and Melsungen, I think, is always an interesting one to bring up. They've already had a, a dramatic season. <laughs> 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 they're always fun to talk about because it's just like a, a mess. Um, they're in a bit of good form though, since uh the changing coach. Um what, what do you make of them? What, what has been your uh your following of Melsungen
0: this season? I think they finally made the right move going to to sign Parondo because he is a coach who fits to the roster they have. Either you have to sign all the players who fit to the system of the coach, or you just get a coach who fits to the system. And he's a Spanish coach, so we know he likes to play with line players. They all love to do that. They like to have players who can make good decisions, but who can also shoot from the outside. They have a perfect player in Andre Gomez, who will be a superstar in the next few years. I'm very sure about that because he also seems to be a rather smart guy and he knows what he's doing. And maybe it was good for him not to go to Barcelona right away and maybe go to a smaller club with all the respect uh, to Melsum because it's the small club small club on the European map. That's quite obvious. But maybe it's better to go there uh, first uh, and go step by step. I think that was a smart move. Then rumors say they will sign Rogerio Morage from Benfica who will also fit in perfectly into the Parondo system. A very big, tall guy uh, who can set up the screens. Uh, he's, he's a very good player, I think, to work with Gomez. He's also a very good player to work as well with uh, Kai Hefner and also Julius Kuhn. And I think the difference is, in the past few years, Julius Kuhn, he was the guy. and And I think that's too much to ask from him. He can come in after 50 minutes when the defense is already a little tired and then just score some easy goals because his shot is a real weapon. But if he has to make the decisions, like from from the first minute on, I don't think that's the right move to go with him. So I think getting him from the bench is, is, is good for Melzong. The roster is deeper. They also signed Moravsky. I think that's also a good move because Heine Fetter is on the decline. That's quite obvious for, for at, at least the last two or three years. And uh, so I think next season when they get one or two more players, also Ivan Martinovic will join from Hanover. I think the roster is going into the right direction and I consider Pavondo to be the right guy for this club.
4: Good for the... German players within the club as well to, to have that kind of influence. I mean, they're going to get a different kind of schooling. And it seems in particular with those two that maybe they need a bit of a different different influence and that will help them excel on the international level.
0: Uh, absolutely. And if you take a look back at Carlos Ortega's term in Hanover, he reached the cup final for every single season it was played. Uh, because in the COVID season or last season, we didn't really have a, a cup competition. But in the other three seasons, he reached the cup final four. So it's about winning in crucial moments. And Spanish coaches, if you look at the international level right now, they know how to do it. They just know it. And we have a lot of young German players in Hanover who learned from Ortega how to win in crucial moments and don't be too nervous. And I think it will pay off also for the German national team that we have some Spanish coaches in Germany right now. Ortega is, is gone, unfortunately, but Parondo just arrived. And Roy Sanchez, who coached the second team of Barcelona, joined Stuttgart. And this kind of influence, I think it will be good for the Bundesliga.
4: you on Sievert. Speaking of young people, we'll go to a young coach. And this is a man that Brian is, uh, was fascinated with, particularly last season. Uh, this season going very well for him in Fuchs Berlin.
0: Yeah, and I think he learned a lot during the last one and a half years. I think he's a very smart guy. I talked to him on on my podcast, I think, like two years ago uh, or even two and a half years ago when he was like 25 and the new coach at Tuzem Essen. But a very, very smart guy. He's not the most emotional coach on the planet, which is all right. Not every guy can be like, uh, I don't know, uh, Philipp Icha on the sidelines lately. But uh, <laughs> but I think that Zivat learned, and I think he also talked a lot about it with Stefan Kretschmer, I'm quite sure about it, that he learned that he has to be a little bit more emotional. Uh, and I also think that he understands the game so well that he learned from his tactical mistakes maybe, Also, the roster has gotten better and next year they will get Matthias Gitzel and Max Dari and it will be a hell of a team. It's a deep team. Also, it depends on injuries, as with all the teams in the Bundesliga, what they can do on an international level. But I consider Berlin really on the rise, not just in the standings, but in the general development of the club, because Bob Hanning is taking care of the money and Stefan Kretschmer is taking care of the players. And for them to get the player everybody wanted in Matthias Gitzel is, is the big statement, I think, for everyone in the handball world, that this project will be a very good one in the next three years. And, and I'm very um, yeah, excited to see this, this team play next season and this season just started.
3: Maybe you could talk to us a little bit about Lemgo, and uh, I think everyone probably maybe expected a little bit of drop off in form with them playing the European League for the first time in 10 years. Was that something you expected going into the season as well?
0: Yes, I did. And also they they had some injured players. Uh, Tim Zoton came back from injury, from ACL injury. And you never know if they are playing on the same level as I did before. The roster is not as deep as others. If you compare this roster to Reinecker-Löwen, Reinecker-Löwen didn't even qualify for the group stages of the European League. But um, I had the pleasure to commentate the Lemgo win at Nantes. Before the match, I thought there's no chance they win this game. There's just, just no chance because Nantes, it's a Champions League side. It's, it's not a European League side. It's, for them, it's just unlucky to play in the French League. But the team is very, very good. And Lemgo played a very good match. Uh, they can they can lose to anybody. They they can lose to Benfica like they did one week before, but they can also beat all the other teams on a very good day, like they did in the German Cup final against Kiel. So I think this is a very good team. And I also think that Florian Kermann is doing a really great job as a coach. He also developed as a coach some years ago when he started the job. He was also very nervous. He was compl- complaining about the referees all the time in the press conferences after the game. And I think he developed as well. And um, yeah, maybe, I'm not so sure, but maybe he could be uh, the next guy coaching the German national team once Alfred Gisason is leaving.
4: I like the the look of Lucas Huthacek and Jonathan Carlsberg all together. They're a nice duo at that left and centre back. And at the moment, with Bobby Schacken at right back, which is unusual to see, but he he he's filling in in okay anyway. That's for sure. We'll, we'll let you go in a moment, but I think we have to push you for a a wild prediction before we do that. And I'm going to frame it in this way: Is it finally Magdeburg or Berlin season to win the title?
0: Yeah, I think it's Magdeburgs. I think that Berlin is is, is now um, dealing with another injury problem because uh, Paul Drucks just had uh, surgery on his uh, meniscus. And I think that he will be out for like, I don't know, four weeks, maybe maybe even longer. I'm not so sure because they didn't uh, say anything about that. But I think that the roster of Magdeburg right now is a little bit deeper. And I think they're just in the flow. There will be a game between Berlin and Magdeburg, I think in like two weeks time. And if Magdeburg is going to win that game, I think it's their title to lose. Actually, I will go as far as that because uh, with the fans back at the arena, and I think also you get a feeling for, 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 for that because they feel, I think they feel right now that they can win the league title. And if you look at the team, they got... A lot of good players, Christian O'Sullivan is a really good player. I think Yannick Green before he leaves the club joining Paris, he wants to show that he's he's still a world class goalkeeper, also so many other players Magnussen what a kind of player what what a player so I think this is the season for Magdeburg to win it and uh, in like ten days we will know a little bit more about this
2: and and what would, would it be a good thing for the Bundesliga to have, let's say, Magdeburg and Fuchser Berlin in the Champions League next year. So leaving Kiel and Flensburg behind for, for a year, is that a good
0: thing for the league as a whole? I think it is a very good thing for the league because competition is always good. Because then clubs like Kiel and Flensburg know they have to improve and they know maybe we need to change something. We did a good job for many years. But if you look back at the last, I think, three seasons, Kiel and Flensburg played in the Champions League always Kiel and Flensburg from Germany. That's kind kind of boring, you know. So some change is always good. We now get Allborg as a very good team in Europe. We get Cold Start maybe in the future. Elverum is developing. Kjels is signing every good player in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think that's very good for the Bundesliga. And I also think it's good for international handball. Not just for the Bundesliga, but to have different clubs, to have different markets, maybe to... To get new revenue in those markets, to get more money in handball in those markets, I think it's very good for handball on an international level. Just not for the Bundesliga, but for for handball in Europe.
4: Brilliant. I think we'll leave it there, Sasha. It's a pleasure. As always, thanks for your time this Friday evening and and enjoy the game later on.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Take
4: care. Bye-bye. Thank you.
2: Thank you to Sasha Statt and Björn Patsen for giving us a, a really good insight into the Bundesliga this season. And make sure to listen to Christ Ab, uh Sasha's podcast, or if you do speak German, uh and read anything online that Bjorn Patsen writes, uh, it's all really good stuff. There's one point that um was mentioned, I think, by both people, and that's How difficult the Bundesliga is, how many games they play, and one of the reasons why Kiel, let's say, haven't been as good this season was just the the amount of games for the players going to the Olympics and not being recovered. But one piece of analysis that I saw this week from uh, Data Handball on Twitter was pretty astounding. So, uh, Data Handball is a Spanish data analytics site which broke down basically how many games people have played, but also the kilometers traveled which was uh pretty astounding to me so in terms of games the the people right at the top were actually barcelona and uh all board players so felix Klar was right on top of everyone with 84 games in Check. the last year which is an absolutely incredible feat uh, and the fact that he stayed injury free has been pretty incredible i think but the the most astounding stat of all and um, was definitely the kilometers that diego simone has traveled this year can you guys guess how many kilometers diego simone has traveled in um the last year and do remember that it that includes trips to tokyo and his homeland in argentina for games god it's hard to it's hard to just
4: pluck a number <laughs> <laughs> out of it
3: 84,000 um, Brian? Um, I was tr- quickly trying to Google roughly how far is Frankfurt to Tokyo just so I can get a ballpark and then just multiply and divide I'd say 100,000 probably way too much 120,000 oh goodness. Goodness. that Chino Simone has
2: travelled within the last year which is absolutely astounding and I don't know Sometimes you you think of players and, oh, why isn't he playing as well as he should be after an international break? Well, he's just traveled quite a lot. Um, His is unique because, of course, he uh, traveled uh, to Argentina for a lot of uh, home games, including a trip from Argentina to Tokyo, uh, which is a pretty significant journey. This shows the strain the players uh, in in handball have to go through. And I
3: hope they're freaking flyer miles. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, busy flying for free at this stage, I'd say.
4: Okay, so now on to our second interview of the day. And we're getting the insight on Kolstad's big plans for the next few years with Lieselotta-Henriksson from Trondheim. Lieselotta-Henriksson from Niedeross in Trondheim in Norway, who was live and in person at the press conference on Sunday as Kolstad announced uh, their big new project, which was the worst-kept secret in handball, and their six new signings as well. Uh, First and foremost, what was your your perspective on the the press conference? Uh, And did anything stand out to you in particular about what the club said or what the players said?
5: (laughs) As you say, it was baddest kept secret ever we kind of knew what was coming but the weird thing is that i still can't believe this is actually true and i had to be there to see it and i still don't believe it actually but yeah what what did stand out maybe how the cao really pronounced his loyalty to uh, and the coaches i was maybe expecting something quite different there (laughs) He mm-hmm. claims that Gumu and uh, Søgaldsen Senior is still going to lead this project on as coaches. That was maybe my biggest surprise. All the rest seemed kind of scripted <laughs> <laughs> and trying to get the Trondheim links to both Barigru and Rød to make it feel more heartly. I don't know, like Søgaldsen coming home making something big in his own hometown uh, and trying to get the same excitement about and Rød as well. Well yeah, it was no surprises, but kind of exactly what you were expecting it to be. Very clean, very neat.
2: And I think one of the interesting things about the project is how um, we see the end goal. You know, that's very clear now. Um, but right now, Kolstad are ninth in the Norwegian League. Was there any insight of you know that transition period, of how that would actually happen and, and what their plan for that was?
5: They were speaking a lot about keeping the core of the club and taking the stairs, not the elevator to the top. Mind you <laughs> what they are doing <laughs> right <laughs> now, but OK. <laughs> but, but yeah, they, they want to keep all the players that they already have, they claim. And the coaches is going to say, and they are going to build a club for the youth to come into and grow into, and they are going to stay a big Champions League club for the rest of their times, it seems. I don't know how they're going to make that happen, but they didn't say. But uh, that's what they claim is the plan.
4: So it's like you can all stay in the club, but you'll be playing in the second team in Division Two.
5: Probably <laughs> most of them, yeah. <laughs> uh,
4: you, you mentioned to me before that that's the Angomo. The the coach uh, seemed a bit annoyed with the speculation that has been made, and and you know even when we spoke uh, the other week on the podcast, most of it was about who's going to be the coach. Uh, so I'm guessing that's the case we didn't even know his name (laughs) exactly, we had to to google it Uh, (laughs) and that seems to be the case with, um, I mean there's huge connection, speculation with uh, Christian Berger uh, for example Uh, and and so how how visibly irritated was he by that? (laughs)
5: Uh, after the game on Sunday, the game that was after the press conference he was uh (laughs) I, I quote him now. I'm so glad, glad I can finally say that no one else was going to be coached than me, and I'm so irritated about how the media has um, written and spoken about it.
2: And did did they win that game?
5: <laughs> oh no!
2: <laughs> so brave move to say he'd come out so strong after losing a game and going down to ninth in the Norwegian league. But I uh, I like his confidence. <laughs>
5: Well, Gumo has been in the club for about nine years, I think. Kolstad is not that old of a club, but they still have really strong traditions. So, yeah, maybe something about that. But that was kind of a sad game, although it was the big day in Kolstad and the big day in Hamburg, Norway. And to top it up with a 10-goal loss, it it wasn't good. It wasn't good.
2: I think the question... Has to be whether Gomo will survive the season if they keep going at this <laughs> rate.
5: You guys are so harsh. No, we're, we're, that's what we're, here. That's
2: what we're here to speculate.
4: With I mean, it. I, th- I think it is a. It is a good question. Brian was making some comparisons to Newcastle and Steve Bruce, and and Gomo very much is the Steve Bruce in this situation. What is the the overall feeling within Norway in this? Like, yeah, uh, is there any kind of. I mean, resentment seems to be my word of the podcast today. Uh, I was asking the same about Germany and their view of it, but from other clubs. I mean, I was watching the press conference live stream, and there was a lot of angry emojis on Facebook.
5: Was there? Yeah. Oh. Okay. W- where did they come from?
3: That's that's what I'm asking you. <laughs> they were they were all from uh, ex AG Copenhagen fans. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Might have been, might have been. Everyone here from the clubs, both coaches and CEOs and players, seems to all think that this is going to be something great for Norwegian handball. That this is going to make uh, the league bigger and the sport bigger in Norway. Uh, that's at least what they say. Everyone is being really correctly and saying all the right things about this. The only thing that I picked up on that might be resentment is Bariga mandling in this project. That's the only thing I've seen or heard about anyone uh, feeling resentment.
3: The reason I mentioned AG Copenhagen before is because I think some fans outside of Norway look at it going, oh, we've seen this before. This is... You know, they'll have one run at something or maybe you might see a flash in the pan and they'll be gone again with sponsors pulling out. But I think maybe what's different about this one is that you have a very big company back in the team. And maybe you could tell us a little bit about their, I think they're a top 10 companies in Norway. I think uh, if I'd never read that somewhere. Um, so they're not going to really run out of money as it were, as, it, as to say. So there's a bit more of a kind of a, a good basis there for, for financial backing in the future years.
5: Yeah, they're not going to run out of money. That's not going to be the problem. Uh, They might get bored. Who knows? But uh, Costa has said that part of the plan is not to just rely on one sponsor. So they are taking in a lot of other big sponsors who's going to take the bill with them. So they don't have to rely on them staying. And that is uh, Energy and salmon. Uh, companies uh, among them. Uh, that's only rumors I have not confirmed. <laughs> I don't have it confirmed. Uh, they don't want one big sponsor in. Oops. At least that's what they say. And you, you could you could also see this as maybe Copenhagen, but could it be a mix of Copenhagen and Ålborg, what we see in here? Maybe.
2: And I think there's... That whole plan of, you know, get a big club in to really progress handball in the country. And we did see that with AG Copenhagen where, you know, Danish handball today wouldn't have happened without that club um, kind of bringing it to the next level. Unfortunately, they didn't stick around, but maybe it's also a reflection of the you know the the men's you know the women's team has been fantastic forever it's part of the culture the men's team has grown into a bigger entity and do you feel the let's say the want from people in Norway for a club like this do do people are people excited for this
5: yeah well, when you t- told me about all the angry emojis I was surprised <laughs> because uh I've only heard positive things about this uh uh, my mom up in uh, northern Norwegian started crying watching the press conference. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I was—I claimed she was going to move to follow Korsa from now on.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
5: <laughs> so I, I absolutely think it's—it's uh, it's something we want, and even especially Trondheim who is such a big um, city of sports. Who? They already have the audience. They have the arenas. They have the money. They have the infrastructure. They already have it. I don't see why not. And this is, you more you think about it, maybe the perfect club to do it.
4: That was something that uh, Sanders Augustin was saying a lot in the press conference as well. It's like, I want to re- recreate the moments of that first round in EHF Euro 2020 in Trondheim when he w- was almost like this god-like messiah-like figure Uh, and so i think he'll enjoy that a big time is there i mean we can't forget about elverum in all of this a team which this season appears to be breaking out or breaking into a new level and has relied over the last few seasons it seems on recruiting players that may not go there otherwise if not for the fact that it's an easy route or an automatic route into the Champions League and then an opportunity to go elsewhere. I'm thinking Erik Johansson, uh, for example, who joined this season, Dominic Mathe, who's going to PSG afterwards. So is th- is that all of a sudden a bit of a risk for them that Champions League handball the season after next is not guaranteed for them?
5: It's a really good question. Uh, we should not forget to... Praise Alverum for what they've done, and I think, and I hope, I really, really do that. not Alverum Arndal, nor Drammen, will give this to Kolstad for free. I think this is going to put those teams to another level, level as well, and going to get more money and going to start building and give the right competition. So maybe this could lead to maybe four great teams in uh, the Norwegian League, and maybe Colsa will meet a setback. <laughs> it could happen.
4: That's not part of the script, but, <laughs> but uh, um, like uh, on the side of that, I, I want to get Alex and Brian's opinion on this as well. It's something I've been thinking about the fact that, and this was while watching Norway play against Denmark on Thursday night, and, and thinking about you know, the, the fact that this team was knocking on the door internationally for a while seems like they're, they're going, they're drifting further and further away from potential finals and potential gold medals. Could this be a, like a complete change in approach? If we're talking about Christian Bergen meddling as well, that it could be some kind of project where basically the Norwegian national team is playing as a club team and they are, let's say, Putting in one big shift for the next three years or so, building up to the Olympics uh, and trying to find an edge internationally while playing together as a club team. That's
5: one interesting talk. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so fun if, if it was that way, wouldn't it?
4: <laughs> well, why not? I mean, they've, they've tried everything else. <laughs> you know, they, they, it seems to be, I mean, that, that would be one way to go. Rama 1000, the sponsors, they're also big national team sponsors. Alex, what do you think? First of all, I'll let Lee's a lot to think about it cogently, but Alex, you think about it first. Are you? You tell us what you think.
2: I, I, I've got a bit of a hot take on this. Go on. I've got a, a bit of a hot take, <laughs> and it goes against. I, I think the best thing for Norwegian handball is to go against that idea that you just gave, uh, because Christian Berger's approach has been to play the same eight players in every tournament, and he really puts everything on those eight players. And the development in Norway has been within Elverum. We see the next generation of Norwegian players finally coming through. And unfortunately, Christian Berger hasn't reacted very quickly to that. I know like Grundal didn't get the, the call up to the national team, even though he's been one of the uh, best. L- Lotta has an answer for that. She told me
4: yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> he's injured, right?
5: Yeah, it's, it's a minor injury, yes. a minor injury, yes. What I've heard, again, is now confirmed, but he was asked and he okay. declined.
2: <laughs> okay, okay. But still, I feel like it's been, um, he had the chance to bring in new blood for a long time uh, and hasn't done that. But I think it's the development of the league as a whole, which would benefit Norway, as opposed to going with this, um, let's get the band back together, The the generation that's waning at this stage it's, it's not gone it needs new blood and I think from the competition in the league and the spread of talent that's how they can progress instead of going with this single approach mm. and it's all Christian Berger's fault <laughs> <laughs> so you're thinking more like
4: more like a Barcelona Real Madrid situation where they end up all playing together for the Spanish national team but yeah, but, exactly. on, but,
5: but on the other hand it worked for Larvik mm. in yeah. the women's league so, why not?
2: <laughs> so it could work. It could work, but uh, then you're relying on Magnus Red all the times, and that you can't
3: do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I probably agree with Alex that, like, it's looking at Norway and seeing their kind of—I wouldn't even call it a decline, but maybe just kind of slipping just outside of what you'd call a potential a gold but a gold medal-winning team. Uh, we've kind of seen it slowly, and it kind of felt like. Their thing in the beginning was their youth and freshness. And as that goes on, as Alex said, bringing back the Thunderstruck tour in 1996 every time to kind of have them all play together, I think maybe is not that sustainable for the future. Uh, if that's the strategy, and I'm not really sure it is. I think when they anna- made all the announcements, it was like, we're, look, we're bringing everybody home. That's what it kind of felt like to me. I'm not really sure they were thinking too much about the national team, but it is definitely an interesting, uh, i mean yeah it's an it's, it's an interesting bit of insight but i'm not really sure they were thinking that for it i think the coach that people were just thinking look let's bring all the big guns home jam them in the norwegian league and uh yeah hopefully we can beat Elverum in the first season in two seasons my
4: question is where does ivan Tangen fit in all this he's still only 28 believe it or not
2: <laughs> he'll be elverham's big signing right <laughs> <laughs> Everyone getting uh, nervous.
4: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh yeah. Um, so that, then, finally, Liza Lotta, you, know, you you gave a hint there to to ha- everything being you know set in set for Trondheim to welcome uh, a big club like this. Do you see it being the start of a like a long and fruitful thing that will, will go beyond Sandra Sagerson's career, let's just say, and, and beyond a, a kind of a novelty, but something that will actually push Norwegian club handball into another level uh, for the next decade or so?
5: I am an optimist, but do I really believe it? That's another question. Because what will happen next? Okay, they play the Final Four in 2024. But oh. <laughs> then what? Yeah, but, but let, let's say they succeed. Let's say they make it and they play Final Four in 2024 2025. What will happen next? How long will the money keep going in? And how long before uh, the fans gets bored and expects only the best all the time? This has happened in Trondheim before with Rosenborg when they played in Europe. Uh, we have a lot of big skiers that we only pay attention to after they won the World Championship gold medal. That's when newspapers start writing about them. And what will happen with the team dynamic when they are 20 and 21-year-olds in the same locker room as already big stars who makes millions a year? How will it be? And how long can it be this way? How long... May Costa have players that make seven, eight, nine, ten million a year?
4: Norwegian crowns that is not euro.
3: <laughs> Divide
5: on ten. Divide yeah. on ten. <laughs> and still have players that does not make a living even of playing humble. because most humble players in Norway can't live on the salary. How how long and how much money? they're going to
4: need it for it hasn't even begun and you're already talking about the decline so
3: <laughs> yeah this, so, this all started so nicely and now all, all of a sudden like you're like, like you're an optimist. <laughs> yeah, it's an optimist and all of a sudden we're like it's, it's a flash in the pan aj copenhagen 2.0 uh, <laughs> just <play your>
5: taxes. <laughs> <laughs>
4: No problem with that in Norway.
5: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be pessimistic. It's just, I first heard of this project back in April. A friend called me and I said, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> also, I was planning to get the home in 2023. And I went, yeah, right. Okay. Ah, nice to have dreams. Um, I, I couldn't figure out one good reason that at all might happen. And then... For the past two months, there's just rumors are going and it's been crazy in this town for the last two weeks, uh, two months. Maybe it's, I'm not wanting to admit that I was wrong back in April. (laughs) It may be it. (laughs) It's maybe me being proud. If anyone is going to do do this, it has to be, it has to be Kolsta because it's kind of, their soul and identity, who they are. No one's ever believed in them. And they are like a stubborn little brother who is being tough and rude and just doing whatever they want and have believed so much in themselves. So if someone's going to do it, it had to be them.
4: There you go. That's a nice way to finish it. Uh, Lisa, thanks a lot for the insight. And uh, well, if and when it does happen, I think it won't be the last time we, we hear from you uh, from the inside in Trondheim. Thank you so much.
5: Thank you for having me.
3: Well, there you are. Another episode of The Unformed Handball Hour in the books. Thank you, Born, Thank you, Sasha. Thank you, Lisa, Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Alex. And thank you, Brian. I'm going to thank myself now before we say goodbye. Cheerio.